0: my fabulous, amazing co-host who is still on the road in Gypsy One and they've landed
1: today. Jen, tell us where you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, hello. I'm coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee. I happen to be uh, stationed at the moment at on Graceland property at the RV park and so I am here in Gypsy One and my uh, let's see, travel companions. The fellow Gypsy One uh, players are currently headed over right now to tour Graceland. Um, I have been there many times. My wife has not, so the troubadour wanted to see Graceland. I said, I have the best time for you to go. How about if you go to <laughs> my show? <laughs> so, <laughs> they have gone over to tour that kingdom and see all the amazing sights and then. We were gonna go have some soul food, catfish, that kind of thing, a little bit later, and enjoy some of Memphis. We arrived and discovered that Saturday night around midnight, a massive storm blows through, and they, it didn't register like tornado. It was just a storm with so much power in it that these trees, like 200-year-old trees, are just snapped in half and blown over across the road, and their whole root ball system has torn up an entire yard and. All this, so we actually arrived with, you know, like the intersections had no power, so there were no running stoplights, and there was no power at the RV park, and thank goodness we had a generator to keep us cool because restaurants weren't open or anything like that. It was like, whoa, okay, we didn't realize you are coming into kind of this weather-damaged location, so the people in Memphis have got some recovery to do here, and, you know, it's hot and muggy. I don't, I don't envy them. But it's like 87 degrees today with about that much humidity too. It's quite gross. Yeah, <laughs> the A.C.
0: Yeah, that's when I stay indoors. I melt in humidity.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. We probably like blower sour. fish, man. It's like woof. <laughs> it ain't pretty. <laughs> I know, it's so funny, we were so excited to go tour Beale Street and enjoy the music tonight, and I told him, I said, if it cools off, we'll do that, but we're going to have to pass this trip, come back in the fall, and really enjoy the sights and beauty of Memphis a little later, because I think that, that that storm did quite a bit of damage, I I mean, I feel for the people here, I love the city, I had a short visit here, and I've, um, where I stayed for a few months and lived here, but then I visited a lot, and boy... They really got done this trip. Mm. <laughs> that storm did a number.
0: Yeah, as I as I said before, we went on air. Nature will have her way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, and she oh, ever did. Si- ever since
0: <laughs> ever since you said Graceland, I've got Paul Simon's uh, song now in my head. We're going to Graceland. it's just in there, it's in there going.
1: <laughs> I, I love that. I have to do Paul something, Paul Simon's. Song, not an yeah. Elvis song. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that. Being that I'm
0: being that I'm not a fan of Elvis, that wouldn't occur to me. <laughs> no.
1: Well, I won't tell anybody around here because I might get lynched if I tell somebody that. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm likely. This is I'm likely sacred never holy land. Any, yeah, I'm never, nev, likely never to be caught anywhere near Graceland.
1: <laughs> Got it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be it would be interesting just for, a,
0: just, just for a just uh, for a just for curiosity though you know. <clears throat> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, it it's very interesting. A lot of people most the most of the comments that I've ever heard is it's a lot smaller than they think. Uh, and if you look at it from today's perspective, you look at it and go, eh, kind of tacky. But you look at right. it back then, it was a big damn deal, you know. So. Yeah.
0: That's okay,
1: Mm -hmm. there's not a problem with that, but I will say I was actually very much more entertained and touched by Loretta Lynn's ranch, and actually seeing The Uh, Big House, because she lived in it, and left it that way, and it it feels alive, instead of like, they lived in a museum, you know?
0: Right, or a mausoleum. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yep. Oh well, today we have a long-awaited topic. I think there's quite a few people have been eager to um, have us dive into this topic about compromise. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, um, you know, it it just it seems to flow quite well off of yesterday's. Topic where we discussed a lot about expectation And how is expectation different from desire And how do you know when you're functioning from expectation versus desire And how do expectations create compromise
1: Hmm,
0: you know, like that's <laughs> I, I think this is going to be fun today to get into that
1: <clears throat> Oh yeah, let's do it <laughs> <sighs>
0: For sure. Uh, Here's what I find so, is
1: interesting. Mhm. Here's the aspect that I find is most interesting is just by naming the show Addicted to Compromise, <clears throat> that actually created some conversations about to call it an addiction isn't fair because addiction is serious and real. It's a problem. Being addicted mm. to compromise isn't serious, real, and a problem. So I want to clarify that one aspect before we go into other and that is we're not talking about a chemical addiction we're talking about a behavioral okay and anything that the more you do it the more you need it to survive i'm referencing as a behavioral addiction okay Mm -hmm. yeah and this does fit in my what what we have decided what we decided this title was or or the way that we are going to frame this conversation. So anybody that wants to focus on that, that's all we have to say about that aspect of it. Because the truth is, from my perspective, my own life experiences and then what I have witnessed, the more people buy into the need or requirement to compromise, the more they do it thereafter. And so that's what this is based on. So hopefully that alleviates some of the, well, yeah, but, um, about the word addiction being used, so now we can carry on. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I would—it's—it um, is—it's a yeah, but. I mean, if you're—if I see people who want to get hung up on things like you know the topic, and I okay. often will ask uh, the question, so is this your way of distracting yourself and making something significant to ensure? That you don't actually receive something that might create change in your life, because oftentimes, if if there's an awareness, if there's, and this is not like in the mental world, this is not a cognitive thing, but sometimes there's an awareness that choosing, making a particular choice, you know, reading a certain book, listening to a certain webinar, um, you know, going to a workshop or a class or participating in a, a group of some nature you know, doing some sort of coaching, whatever. If there's an awareness that that potentially is gonna confront us with the change, we will find a million ways to distract ourselves and make that thing wrong so that we like, nope, I can't do it. <laughs> yep.
1: So just, yeah. just gonna invite you to take <laughs> yes, a <we> peek, will.
0: <laughs> Just a tiny little peek at that because um, you know, that that's that's something that happens a lot, especially if it's something you feel challenged with and you're like, and you might actually have been asking for the change. And then, and then here the pathway opens up for you to receive the change that you've been asking for and suddenly like, you're like, no, 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 because here's my long list of reasons why I, you know, I, can't, I can't participate in that, I can't listen to that, I can't have that, I'm not going to that, I'm not going to do that um, because the awareness of the change is a little confronting. We start feeling, it's like doing the pee-pee dance.
1: <laughs> yes, it is like doing the pee-pee dance. <laughs> no, I don't have to go to the bathroom.
0: <laughs> and you're, you're like literally energetically. That's what that's what it it, it looks like to me because I've seen this countless times in people, mm-hmm. and it's energetically, it's like they're doing the pee-pee dance. They're like, no, no, I don't have to go. No. No. I'm <laughs> fine.
1: Uh, okay. Uh-huh. uh
0: uh-huh. That's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so good.
1: There's your visual for the night. The pee-pee dance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we've already got some discussion in the chat room, which I love. And uh, the comment is, compromise happens to keep the peace or to not lose your partner. And I would say great insight there. Compromise is often designed not to lose. Not to Mm. lose. There's something we fear to lose, and we think, oh, compromise is the solution to ensure that we don't lose. <clears throat> so yeah. what have you made more important than having all of you Than living in your full aliveness Than being all that you are Like, where It's, it's like um, the trade-off becomes uh, hiding some part of you Sacrificing some part of you Abandoning some part of you um, Lessening some part of you In order to compromise <laughs> and not lose the thing you've made so significant That it's like, oh my god, I couldn't survive without it
1: Mm-hmm. Whew. Yeah, and that's what I think to myself about, I, as I reflect back on my own compromises,
0: mm-hmm. all of them
1: that I believed I had to make, right, when I think about it, there was always the cost payoff balance going on, okay, so what's this going to cost me, what's the payoff, and that would justify the compromise, so if you consider every single compromise you're looking at what's it going to cost you and what's it going to pay off, what's the payoff you're going to get from it understand that is a pact that is an energetic pact or a, a verbal pact or a physical pact and that is that sets in the vibration that I will give up in order to get and that cuts off your giving and receiving that that puts in that program that there's always going to, every time I get something, every time I'm going to receive something, I must give something up. And compromise becomes your, your means, that um, monetization of everything that happens in your life. And if you're doing that, if that feels good to you, probably you've got some kind of energetic tie in there that somehow you disconnected that you can just receive. Or that you can just, you know, contribute, and that you don't have to actually lose in order to receive.
0: Yep. And the the comment, there's, there's, I love this. There's, there's comments happening in the chat room, uh, getting, in, getting interactional here, which I love. Um, <clears throat> more transactional is the comment. Like again, compromise also happens when. You know, there's something, there's, there's sort of like this, in our culture, in society, and we live in the United States, those of us who live in the United States, and, you know, probably different expectations that fall in different cultures and societies, but there is this kind of mass, uh, you know, status quo, the, the, the um, oh, what's the word, I, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but <clears throat> there's, this, there's this pressure or expectation to sort of fit in, to go along, to get along. To, to be seen as the same I talked a few We talked last week I think About safety and sameness Like we, we, we feel safe in that validation That everybody's the same as us And so we can also compromise ourselves Just in that sense To like feel like we fit in And we you know like Oh yeah I'm, I'm not going to stand out too much I'm not going to It makes us uh, We don't want to feel wrong We don't want to be wronged by somebody else We don't want to feel wrong so that's the other piece that's being um pointed out that we compromise ourselves. So it's not only compromise, you know, the way that we interact with others, but we also compromise ourselves relative to the greater um <coughs> sort of expectation of the the way we thought that we should be. Oh, I have to show up this way because if I show up that way then I'll be then perhaps I'll be um uh you know, kick to the curb. I, I'll be, I'll be in some way. I'll be. Um, oh, see, it. my brain is not. What brain? Come on, come on online. It's morning. Come on, you gotta start working. <laughs> I'm reaching it. for these words, and they're it. not coming. <laughs> come on, brain, on the radio. Gotta have the words come. I <laughs> need a little support here.
1: <laughs> I got the same thing. We're uh, oh. good. <laughs>
0: Another another comment in the chat room, what about, and I'm, I am know you don't have access to the chat room, so I'm going to read all this stuff for you. What about yes. when you are Thank with you. other people and, and each has their own idea of what to do next? Isn't compromise a reality?
1: Ooh, love that. Love that.
0: Uh, well, that's a great you know, question.
1: And actually, the situation I'm in with everybody going to Graceland right now, while I'm on the show, could be seen as a compromise. Mm. You could Mm -hmm. judge it as, oh, I compromised. Oh, I gave up going to Graceland to do the show. And here's something that I just want to bring some awareness to. Do you feel somebody has to play the victim or less than in whatever it is that you're thinking, whatever compromise you think is required? (laughs) Well,
0: yes. And, And it's also like how are you how are you looking at it, right? Like if you have a point of view, mm-hmm. I mean I'm just gonna take a scenario um, that I experienced recently. So recently, earlier this month, I was in Paris, and there were five ladies, five group of friends who went to go to Paris to celebrate um a, a birthday. like that was kind of the whole point of taking this trip. It was a celebratory birthday trip, and um, if you have the point of view, and sometimes this occurs with with travel partners. It could be you could be traveling with your you know your 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 a friend friends family you know significant other whatever whoever you're traveling with. It could be a um, if you have this point of view that you you're, well you're traveling together you're supposed to do everything together. If you have that point of view, then it's going to feel like compromise if somebody's like, well, I want to go see the Alpha Tower today, and the other person says, well, I'd like to just you know, go walk along the Seine. You know, like, it, it, it if you are in allowance of each, each person's individuality and each person's choices and, and what uh, people want to do, like you said, you're like, well, I've been to Graceland, so I don't really feel a desire to go again. So if you guys want to go, that's great. Huh? This would be a great time because I'll be busy during the show. And that's, that's a great... Um, what came up in the, in the chat room again is, was it compromise or was it choice? And that's the crux of it. Thank you, Eleanor. That's the crux of it. <laughs> if we can be an allowance of other people's choices, if we can be an allowance of our choices, this is a big deal. Then when, when you, there's, a, there's a differentiation in what people want to choose, you can um, be an allowance. Like There's plenty of times. When, uh, like, so when we were in just in Paris, and I'd wake up in the morning, and I wouldn't have any particular desire. And so it was kind of like, well, what do you feel like doing today? Well, I was thinking I'd go to see this, um, you know, museum or this blah, blah, blah. And there were plenty of times that I was kind of like, you know what, I am game for anything. Like, you lead on, and I'll just join you, because I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, my primary reason for being here is just to be with you guys. And I don't really care what we're doing. And then there were other times where they were going to say, "Oh, well, we're going to go do this and this," and I would, yeah, we would consider that. they would be like, "Nope, not up for that. Don't want to do that. Don't want to go to Versailles today. Don't want to go on that boat ride," you know. So I'm going to do, go do something else, or even restaurants. You right. know, people are like, "Well, I feel, I feel like this," and I'd say, "Well, I don't really feel like that. I'm going to go eat something else," and we'd split up. So you got to, you got to look at your points of view <clears throat> that might be creating a limitation in your world that makes it feel like you
1: or someone else should compromise because it really is the crux mm-hmm. of it is choice right well and i love you i love that you bring that up because that's exactly where it is that i go to is how often have we put ourselves in a situation where we say, well, I don't want to upset my spouse or who I'm traveling with or who wants to go eat here by saying I'm going to go eat somewhere else. Or or perhaps the limitation is I don't want to eat by myself, so I'm not willing to choose to go where I want to go because right. I might go solo because they don't want to go. That might be what you're actually attached to is that thing of, if we're together, we have to do everything together or we have to eat together or if we're traveling together, whatever that is, if that's coming up, if that's how it's playing out, that might be where the attachment is. Mm-hmm. And I, I think
0: one of the, the biggest uh, she says, "Yay, allowance for choices. Love that <laughs> in the chat room. Wonderful. <laughs> that that really is to me one of the biggest keys for ease in relationship is allowance of each other's choices and honoring their individuality and not thinking that there is safety and sameness. And <clears throat> and one of the things that's come up many many times." is uh that's probably let's let's bring it up because i'd really like to address this is where we have come up with with compromise is our strategy for avoiding rupture or avoiding upset avoiding something we think we can't deal with we can't handle we don't want to feel we don't want to experience we don't want to do to somebody else this What I'm about to say, I think, is one of the fundamental reasons people compromise themselves is because they feel like they don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. They don't want to cause upset to the other person. And every single time this comes up, the first question I ask is, is it really possible for you to be in charge of how somebody else feels? Is that really possible? Or is that a delusion? Is it really possible for you to be in charge of how somebody else feels? You could walk on eggshells every day with your partner, and you could be like, oh, I'm going to compromise this because I don't want to upset them. I'm going to compromise this because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm going to compromise this because, I mean, they, here's my mother was so, she, you know, addicted to compromise. So she's somebody that I watched compromise herself over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And, over. and one, one of them <laughs> I always thought was so kind of comical and is is that you know she would tell me she she did kind of a lot of dieting over the course of her life you know it was some sort of a thing that she was, oh i always got to lose a few pounds or whatever so that was sort of something that was uh, always in our you know family because she was seemed to be always doing that and then you know they were they were she's fairly social they would go over to people's houses or this or that for dinner or for dinner parties or whatever and she'd come home and and i remember her talking about well You know, we we were over there, and, you know, Marilyn made a pie from scratch, and when she served it for dessert, I just felt like I couldn't say no because she had put all that time into making it from scratch, and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And that is an example of something my mother said over and over and over and over and over in all different kind of scenarios is, well, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Well, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, and I... And, you know, every time she said that, I'd get this, like, urgh, like irritation in my world. and never really <laughs> understood why. I never really understood why until I was older, so um, many, many, many decades later. And I realized, again, I've said this on previous shows, we have sort of an internal bullshit meter. And, and it, it's, it's like it feels a little bit like anger or irritation when somebody says something that's just really missing the mark it's like, I get this, like, because eh, 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 I'd be like, oh, bullshit meter, bullshit meter's going off. There's bullshit here. There's bullshit here. <laughs> and, and I'm going to go back to that question. Is it really possible for you to be in charge of somebody else's emotional landscape? Can you really be in charge of that? Because, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, doing, if you're compromising left, right, day and night, does that person still have a choice to be upset? Does that person still have a choice to be, you know, sad or mad or whatever they're going to choose? Or do you really believe that you have, the, that you can control how they feel? Do you really believe that?
1: Let's look at that. <laughs> right. Well, and, and this is where I get so much um, feedback about but this is how our relationship is. If I change it, you know, it's really going to upset my spouse or this really cause problems with my friends or whatever that is. And all that means is you have created an environment within that relationship where you have it. it's, It's whether it's spoken or unspoken, you have agreed to compromise is the cost and payoff of being in that relationship. And, if you're still thinking it well, I don't want to change this, it's really gonna upset my spouse or it's really gonna cause problems with my siblings or whatever that is, that's all that means. You base this whole thing on the compromise has to be how the relationship goes. And mm. if that's what you set up, then speak up and make a change.
0: Yeah, you've just just make made that a change. Your orientation in the relationship, literally. Compromise has yeah. now become the orientation in the relationship. If you think you're the one who's responsible for your partner's well-being, then you've just set that as the tone and the orientation for the whole relationship. I love this. More comments in the chat room. Is there also a sense of superiority in compromise? Like, look at me. I'm the martyr. I'm the victim. I'm the bigger person, so I'll compromise. Ugh. Um, yeah, right? yeah, I think that's totally, I think that's totally possible. Cause, cause, cause if you're the one always sacrificing, always sacrificing, always sacrificing, if there's one moment that you don't get what you want, then guess what you get to do. You get to be like, but I give up this and that and the other thing for you all the time. So sure. <laughs> that could be used as a, as a, you know, I, mean, I, I giggle about this stuff cause <laughs> it is yeah, it's real. Right. And, and uh, it's yeah. it's this is the kind of dynamics that I I I've been coaching relationships for 15 years. I I see this stuff happening. So so yeah, you know, um, if that's the orientation that you want, if that's the tone that you want to set for your relationship, then as we've said before, keep choosing it. Who are we to say that you shouldn't? Yeah, I'm not interested in in telling anybody what to do. That is so tedious. However, mm-hmm. right. if you're finding that you're building up a mountain of resentment for compromising you constantly and feeling like you never get yours in return, you might want to look at that. You might want to look at huh, and then there's a comment in the uh, chat room busted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, like like this is this is where if you desire more ease in your relationship or a different orientation altogether, then these are the things you have to look at. You have to look at how, you, wha- what, what have you made compromise the solution for? If compromise is the solution for keeping this person in your life, then you might want to look at what's, what is your choice to have somebody in your life who doesn't want you to be you? I I had a relationship. Um, within the last few years actually and it wasn't very long, it only lasted about six months, but um, the guy that I was with you know, kept sort of commenting on how he wanted me to be different, how he wanted me different because it would make him feel more secure. I needed to change Mm -hmm. to make him feel some more secure and I finally just said to him multiple times before the end, I said, you know, I get the feeling that you don't actually like who I am. (laughs) Like, you don't know who I am. And, and I'm actually not going to turn that down or change that. or And I didn't do it in a defensive way. I didn't do like, fuck you or whatever. I just said, I just want to point this out to you. I'm noticing that there's a lot of, you know, kind of pressuring me to be different than I am. And I'm getting the sense that you don't like me as I am. And I kind of like me as I am. So if you are actually, you know, needing something that's going to, needing a person that's going to make you feel some more secure, then you probably need to look for a different person because, I'm not likely to change mm-hmm. that about me. I like that about me. And so it wasn't I didn't do it from this, you know, place of meanness or, you know, anger or defense. I just pointed it out. Mm-hmm. And and turns right. out like that that's primarily why we the relationship ended because I really he had a much much lower risk tolerance in the relation in relationship in general. He was more oriented to a, a more safety, less risk. And I'm oriented the opposite. I'm at less safety, high risk. So I wasn't gonna. Cha- I was like, yeah, no, this is likely. I kind of, you know, not likely to change that. So you need to go find somebody that feels more uh, well suited to you. It's not. Nobody has to be made wrong in this. It's just being aware. So if you're if you're in a relationship with somebody you constantly feel you have to compromise for, you might look at that and say. What is it about this person that makes me feel like I have to like they they are they I have to stay with them. I you know I'm I'm doing all of this compromise to avoid the rupture, but is this person really well suited to me? Is this relationship really working for me?
1: Mm-hmm. Do I really want it? Absolutely. Right. Right. And and this is a big key piece for me personally is Boy, when I was living in compromise and playing the martyr and playing all the the game and all that stuff, what I realized was it was so common for me to be the one bitching about everything they were inflicting on me. I always depicted it as I didn't have the choice. And as I became aware of it, when I did approach, you know, who I was with at times, said, by the way... I have completely been oriented to be the victim. I've completely been oriented this way and I and all this compromise that's going on, I'm done with that. So you're not bad. I know that I set it up, but I'm just letting you know. I'm just gonna let you know. I'm going to start speaking my mind. Not that you're wrong or not that you have to agree with me, but because I'm selling out. I'm abandoning me. I'm not being true to me. And what happened was the times that I spoke up and said, that's that. I don't want to go hike in the mountains, you know, like I don't, that's not true for me. It became this, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go do that with my friends. Okay, great, have fun. And there was no yeah. resentment, there was no angst, there was no nothing. But then it reverted back, and when I wouldn't play that way, then, you know, some passive-aggressive and a little entrapment happened a couple times. I went, yeah, I noticed what happened there, and I'm not playing that game and it did change things drastically however i didn't make them wrong i owned it and and i think that for me that was the most honoring thing i could do is owning it i have created it this way i am no longer going to create it this way i understand this is going to impact you as well but i'm letting you know this is my bad i i know i did this i played this game with you and when I did end up leaving the relationship I'm referring to, I didn't have regret. I didn't have a bad conscience. I didn't think, I oh, no, poor me. Instead, I realized I had abandoned me, the entire relationship, and I had actually been reclaiming myself. And by the time I got all of myself in that relationship, I realized what a match I wasn't there.
0: That doesn't make them
1: wrong. That's me being accountable and just saying, whoa, I totally did this. Yeah. And I'm not going to make them the bad guy, and I'm also not going to make me the bad guy for it. I'm owning it. That's yeah. what I did. I'm making changes, different choices, and I'm moving on with my life. That's not, oh, how terrible. Even though some people do that with that scenario, I just chose not to. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know it is possible to if you're if you're in a relationship currently and you're like and you're the, and you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh wow, I've totally oriented my relationship around compromise. Wow, I've really made my, myself responsible for my partner's emotional landscape and there's really some emotional that kind of emotional blackmail stuff going on." And and if you're coming to realize, realize all of this it doesn't have to be I love what you're saying Jen. Yeah. Nobody nobody this doesn't have to be anybody's fault. This doesn't have to be uh, a, a reason for judging yourself. This 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 can just be a, an awareness, a noticing and and being like, "Wow, okay. And if this is the moment now or maybe at some point in the future where you go, "I'd really like to change that." It is possible. It's totally possible to change mm-hmm. the dynamic of your relationship. It is totally possible to change the orientation of your relationship. And if you're the person who wants the change, then you're the one who's going to have to lead the way. And I think sometimes that's the piece that makes people a little bit uncomfortable. You can't expect your partner to change that for you. Oftentimes, you know, if a partner if, if there's a if there's a pattern or dynamic or an orientation that's been in place for a while, you know, and and bo- usually both of the partners kind of they they both they create this together. It takes two to tango, as they say. Right. So it create the, and, and then, you know, it might be going along and going along and going along, and then suddenly one of the partners is like, you know, I'm really noticing this mountain of resentment that I'm living with, and I'm tired of living with it. And I really want to create mm-hmm. some change so that I don't have to feel like this every day anymore. And the resentment is not, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's never at what, it's, we, we love to project our resentment off the other person and blame them for it and say they're the one responsible for it, but it's always us always our responsibility if you feel amount resentment it's because you are unwilling to make a new choice so if you get to that place uh-huh. and you're like done with the resentment done with the compromise done with the abandonment of me um then you can begin to shift the orientation and you are going to be the, the one that needs to lead the way and this is where intimacy and all of those elements of intimacy that we talked about weeks ago can really be valuable because it's going to require a little bit of vulnerability on your part to go to your partner and say, hey, guess what I noticed? I've been doing this, and and this is how I feel about what I've been doing, and I realize I'd like to change it. And so I'm bringing this to your attention because I'm going to start making some changes, and it might disrupt the pattern and the tone and the orientation of what we've become accustomed to, what we've become used to, and I'm asking you to be my ally as I change this, please, because I'd really, you know, I'd like to feel more alive, and and I'd like to contribute that aliveness to our relationship, and so forth and so on. Like, that's just, it, it is possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and then you can get really a response is. from your partner.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would say, you know, Sherry and I have done this a lot, because we part of our orientation for our relationship is change is going to happen it does and it is we're going to be ever evolving and growing and changing and yeah. so we never get in that okay now we're this is it this is the norm we're going to pour the cement and concrete and everybody stays here like we don't do that we stay we keep the conversations of exploration and learning and growth and I've been considering this and this is what I wonder about. And we keep that ongoing. And so if this is something you notice like, oh, we got married or we got together or we became friends based on this and we never had this open space for growth and possibilities, maybe that is the like the gateway to get out of that addictive behavior to compromise and say what I'd really like to do is open up conversation of growth and awareness. Because to me, that's the overall umbrella here. If we just say, I'm not going to compromise with you anymore. <laughs> That's like poking a bear, you know? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, let's not, let's not poke the bear. Instead, say, I'm really interested in growth and change. And since I'm interested in growth and change, I'd like to include you and update you. You know, I've got somebody in my life that right now, and she's she's a young lady in her, you know, 40s, and she decided to go back to school. And for her to go to her spouse say hi, um... I think I want to go to school, which was really nerve wracking. And yet she chose it and it Mm -hmm. took a lot of, Oh, well, what's this going to change? What is this going to require? What can we do? What do we need to put in place? Da, 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 da. But she did it. And you know, with all the angst and all of that that went down, that was okay. That was an acceptable change that she stepped into. And yet I know plenty of people who have said to her, Oh my gosh, there's no way my husband would let me do that. And I thought, eh?
0: <laughs> Yo, huh?
1: Wait, what? Let you? I'm so confused. <laughs> and well, so. And how. And, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, how prevalent is that? That, you know, oh my gosh, my wife would never let me. Oh my gosh, my husband would never let me. How prevalent is that? I mean, there's, there's sort of, we sort of have this culture. You see it on uh, on TV and sitcoms and stuff
1: like that's normal. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Big yikes. Big yikes. So if you're in that space, you know, just really look at it. What if, what's the structures you've put in place? What's your scaffolding to hold mm-hmm. certain things in place? Because it may actually be, and I this kind of a rock in the boat i'm I'm heading in another direction, but it may actually be that the scaffolding that the structures need to change yeah. because if you remove the structure that says we are in a transactional um, you know, relationship here and if I do one thing then you get to do something. If you had that in place, maybe that's what can move and automatically everything that was formed around that thing changes. It's just like a riverbed. If there's a big boulder and that and everything that's created by that boulder looks like a lot of drama and you end up having a lot of conversations and arguments around everything created by that boulder. It might not be those things. It might not be the white top or the white caps that it creates. It might not be the erosion it creates. It might be that the boulder, the structure, needs to be moved, so that and everything that was created by that structure is now gone, dissipates instantly.
0: Yep. And and one of the things I think that is um, that's that's a really good point, <laughs> really really good point. And one of the things that I want to add to that is. Who have you decided is responsible for your happiness and well-being? Uh-huh. Who have you decided is responsible for your happiness and well-being? Because this is, this is the thing. If, if there's a lot of belief, you know, going back to this sort of, you know, interesting paradigm of you hurt, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings or you hurt, you hurt me, um, this little blame game that we've been playing for a while, which, is in my point of view archaic. Um, if if you are if you have not fully claimed responsibility in your life for your own happiness, well-being, like this is this is the thing about compromise. You really have to recognize that your life is created by you. Nobody else. Nobody else is responsible for it. So so when you're in, you know. That's something you can you can be intimate with yourself about, and then it's really going to show up when you come into relationship with a partner, because it, it, you really have to look at your choices every day. If compromise is something you're like, okay, I want to grow out of this pattern. Like I, I if if this is a choice for you, I want to grow out of this pattern. This, this, this doesn't usually happen in a pendulum swing. You know, like if you, you're like, oh my God, I've been compromising everything about myself and it suddenly it's like, I'm never going to compromise again. Like you, if you do this, I've compromised yeah. everything about me and now I'm never going to compromise anything. That pendulum swing doesn't usually create more. It's really about, I would say what's going to create more is really getting, looking internally and saying, where am I not taking responsibility for my happiness and well-being. You know, I mean, I've, I've had a, a, some, there's an experience that's coming up to me uh, from many years ago. It was my, I just graduated from college, and my mother and I went to New York City kind of as a graduation trip. We were, I'd never been before. We were going to go see, you know, some plays and just kind of enjoy the city do a little shopping, whatever, whatever girls do on trips, right? And, and it turns out my boyfriend at the time was going to be there at the same time. Like, we didn't plan to, th- to go together, but he was going to be there, and we're like, oh, great, we'll, we'll connect with him while we're there. So, so um, we, this, is, this is during a time when I still had my Eeyore suit on and I was very much living a victim at the effect of everything and not being responsible for my life and not being responsible for my own choices and living in a lot of resentment. And, and so we were in York City, and, you know, it's lunchtime or whatever. We've been out and about, and um, time for lunch. Let's find a restaurant. And so we were, you know, you're in a, in a place where you don't know the restaurants. You don't have your favorite go-to restaurant. So we're, everybody's hungry. We kind of uh, happen upon this restaurant. We're like, oh, let's just eat here. So we, so we go in, and we sit down, and we open the menu, and I'm looking at the menu, and there's nothing really that appeals to me on the menu. And so what did I do? I sat there and, like, kind of did this pouty energy. Instead of saying to my to my boyfriend and my mom, hey, you know what, there's really nothing on this menu that appeals to me. Would it be all right if we just, can we, I'd really like to go somewhere else. Can we do that? I didn't do that because I wasn't being responsible for my own well-being and happiness at the time. I would just sit there and sort of do this pouty energy, like, you guys should notice and you should... um You know, you should be taking care of me, and you should notice that I'm sitting here in my little pouty energy, because this is what I do, right? Like I do my little pouty energy when I'm not happy, and you guys should notice that. And you should, you know, go, oh, Tamara, what's wrong? Oh, is, is there nothing on the menu that you want? Oh, should we go somewhere else? Like somebody should do that for me. Someone should be taking care of me for me, because I hadn't yet committed to be responsible for myself. So a lot of this compromise comes from that place of not fully taking that responsibility for our own happiness and well-being. You know, if you're in a situation, I've even, like, how many times now, now that I have done that, now that I recognize no one's going to make my life, create my life for me, no one's going to create my happiness for me, no one's going to create my my well-being for me, now that I'm in that position, I might choose to... uh, I might choose something and then get in the midst of it and be like, hmm, you know what? This isn't really what I want to be doing right now. This isn't the experience I want to having. I don't want to eat at this restaurant. I don't want to be having sex with this guy. Like, I don't to, like literally, <laughs> at any given moment, you can say, this is not the choice I want to make, and you can choose again. This right. is the mechanism that breaks the compromise habit. You have to recognize, I'm in charge here. Nobody else is going to swoop in and take care of me. I mean, that's the way I lived, and it never worked. It never, ever, never worked. So you really have to look at, you can sit in this mountain of resentment because nobody's taking care of you the way you think you should be taken care of, or you can step up and take responsibility for your life and start choosing what works for you and be willing to recognize that sometimes, people might be upset, and I'm willing to receive that. Yep. It's kind of, (laughs) in a way, it's a maturation process. For me, it was growing up, except I didn't do the growing up when I was young. I did the growing up when I was, like, in my 40s or something. Right. And um, it really was a game changer in my life. The compromise ceased to exist at that point. Gone.
1: Mm Right. Right. Well, and that's the, that's the thing. This is what's so interesting is when we have judgment about everything you just said, it gets very serious. And I yes. really, you know, I, I'm going to, ch- this is very serious, and this is hard for me.
0: And it becomes,
1: mm-hmm. I, I've seen it so many times with like, this is really hard for me, and this is really serious. And it, it's a change from, like, I'm going to sit here and silently pout, Trying to externally project on everybody how serious and hard this is for that me. That too. <laughs> yeah. and, and to me, I'm one of those people that when I go into a tantrum, I actually really love it because I end up laughing my way right out of whatever kind of twisted perspective I had about it because it is so hysterical to me to think that pouting is that – somehow that transmission of pouting means that the world is going to reorganize around you and my daughter was the best powder i ever ever saw like she was fantastic and i can remember her pouting at a baseball as a soft girl softball her first experience in you know group team sports and she thought that as she sat there and pouted that somehow some fairy godmother was going to swoop down and you know get her to the position she wanted and I was sitting back watching with my husband at the time, and he said, I'm going to go out there and talk to her. I said, the hell you are. This is good, man. Like, <laughs> this is Academy Award. And she was six years old. This is, this performance was so outstanding. And I was just sitting in the bleachers laughing, and people were looking at me, judging me horribly for laughing at my daughter's performance. And at, during one of the, like, little breaks where everybody came in from the field and they're all huddled up, And the coach looks at, you know, talks to Kelsey. I can't hear what they're saying. And then she just pouts and won't look up. She wants to be accommodated so badly. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes back out. The coach walks over with her, just walks over, points to the bench, and sits her out the rest of the game for pouting. I laughed. As a parent, I was so damn proud of that coach. I was like, there's no pouting in baseball. (laughs) You know, we're in the league of our own. I was like, yeah. The parents are looking at me. I remember one mom saying, well, aren't you going to go comfort her? She's missing the game. And I said, she's choosing to pout instead of be part of the team. This is what she created. And Later, when we had a conversation about it, you know, she was sick. She was still learning, and we had a conversation. And it was, it was years later she said to me, you know, looking up and seeing you laughing at me pouting, she goes, it pissed me off at the time, Mom, but I never tried to use pouting again to get my way because I didn't swoop in and save her. I let life show her that pouting didn't equal getting your way. And, you know, I know I was judged as being, you know, mean and, you know, so unkind for that. I didn't care because I wasn't about to program her that pouting worked. Mm. And when we look at that and look at how long did it take you to get to, I'm mean, going sitting sit in a restaurant in New York City and pout. <laughs> I love that. That scene is awesome in my mind, Tamara. I think to myself, what, what worked as a child? That you're still using as an adult that is asinine. That's a structure, but I was just well. Here's the about. hilarious structure. part. Yeah, it is.
0: It is, it, and here's the hilarious part. It never worked. <laughs> it didn't work as a child. No. It didn't work as an adult. <laughs> it never worked. It never worked. I yeah. just, and, and this is this is the invitation is to is you know how how many of these are you using that actually don't work. And you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it and, it, and it doesn't work. It's not working. Here's why it didn't work. Here's why it never worked. And and frankly, why that continued in my life for as long as it did is because I didn't have any intimacy with me. None. Zero. Hmm. Nada. All I had were compensatory strategies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So pouting, was the, that was all I knew how to do. I didn't know that I could actually you know, ask for what I wanted. I didn't even, you know, I lived in an environment where that wasn't allowed. So, so my only way of expressing my dissatisfaction was to be have this, like, pouty energy or whatever. So, so mm-hmm. that's the invitation today is, like, what if you really got clear with yourself about what you want to choose? Because oftentimes mm-hmm. this, com- this compromise thing is just a compensatory strategy because you don't know you have a different choice. If you right. if you really want to change this, and you can you can start looking and saying is this is this really working for me, and then finding your voice. I didn't have a voice. I was silent. You know, we we talked about this last Friday. It's it's one of those ways of abandon you, is you, you you lose your voice. I didn't have one. I had to cultivate this over over years of my life. The last couple decades, I had, you know suffered. I had to find my own voice. And there's no way in that moment that it even occurred to me that I could say what I, you know, oh, oh, gosh, there's nothing here on this menu that really appeals to me. Could we go to another restaurant? That was not even on my radar. That is how deeply into abandon you I had gone. And, these, you know, these two right. topics, the compromise and abandoning yourself, kind of go hand in hand. Because if you have abandoned you, you're likely to compromise yourself left, right, and center. You're going to be doing it everywhere all the time. And the thing that changed yep. that for me is starting to ask the questions. What do I want? What do I want? And then finding my voice to be willing to ask for it, to be willing to say, this, you know, I, I, this doesn't work. I would like to go somewhere else. I mean, just using a silly um, example of eating in a restaurant, but this was my whole life. And now, and, you know, and kind of recognize this is when you've got your Eeyore suit on. And when you've got your Eeyore suit on is when you're pretending to have zero capacity to create your life for yourself. You're pretending that right. you have zero capacity to create your life for yourself. I'm the victim. I'm living at the effect of everything. That's, that's, you know, I've talked about the Eeyore suit. You see people with their Eeyore suit on. You put your Eeyore suit on. Maybe you take it off, put it on, take it off, put it on. I just wore mine as if it was real um, until I didn't. <laughs> But, but this is the thing, like beginning to recognize, oh, my God, I, here I am pretending that I don't have a choice. Here I am pretending that I'm not capable of creating my life in a way that's actually going to be, uh, you know, like that taking responsibility for my uh, aliveness, my well-being, my happiness. We pretend a lot, and then we put that burden on somebody else, and then we point the finger and say, mm-hmm. you're not doing your job well enough because I'm not happy. You got to snap to it. You got to get go. What do you get? You know, come on, get with the program here. I'm not happy yet. I'm not happy yet. There's work for you to do.
1: <laughs> Ouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ouch. Big out. Well, I remember this party. You know, a lot of us are afraid of making a scene because we go into this compromising and everything's about the peacekeeping and all of that. And, and there was early on, it was right after Sherry and I, we were engaged and it was new. We had not really announced it or anything, but we went to this party, and I was going to meet a lot of her friends that did had not met me. So we get to this party, and we go through, and she introduces me to a couple little clusters in this big house, and we move through. And then we get to, I think we are standing in front of the drinks, and she's really bajiggity, and I use that word bajiggity, like she's really uncomfortable in her body. Like she's shifting a lot, she's a little sketchy and edgy. I look at her I'm like what's going on and she's and now because she's so uncomfortable in her body she's looking at me with the same aggression that she is feeling inside her body and I and I was like we were good 10 minutes ago before we walked in the door what's going on and well 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 I just don't like this and I was like well then go deal with it <laughs> you know I just I haven't done anything <laughs> is there, did I do something? It's something I need to be aware of. She's like, no. And I, and I just kind of like did my little finger scan up and down her body, and then go deal with this, whatever this is. And I let her be the boss of her, essentially like mm-hmm. you deal with whatever you got going on. I'm in a poor drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Did Like she went to the, she walked away. I don't, I assumed she was going to the bathroom and I found out that is where she went and she was like, what's going on. She had to get clear with herself. I didn't make it my job. I didn't, you know, daub her nose and make sure she's okay. And you know, oh, what's going on? And did I mess up? I, 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 it wasn't mine. So she walks away. She comes back. She says, "Can I talk to you?" And I said, "Sure." So we go. She then takes me back in the bathroom. She goes, "I realized I did not in- introduce you as my fiance, and it really bothers me." I went, "Okay." So now what do you want to do? Well, I want to introduce you as my fiance. I'm like, "Okay." And I opened the door and I just stood there. And she's like, well, well, what do, and I said, you said you want to introduce me as your fiance, so do it. So she then went through the discomfort of making a change on the spot. And Mm -hmm. she walked me through the house back to those original groups of people we had just been with less than 10 minutes before and said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but when I introduced Jen before, I did something on autopilot because I was nervous, and I want to do this again. This is Jen, my fiance, and you know, of course, then people are like, "Oh, you're engaged!" You know, whatever. They get all excited. But for Sherry, she actually had to walk herself back through changing what she had just done, and and realize she had the power to do that. And that yep. changed so much for her. I can't speak for what it did change, but I'm telling you, witnessing it, it changed her ability to know that I was a witness and she could make a change and change her choices and her decisions and how she showed up and that I would be there by her side, but that I wasn't going to do it for her.
0: Yeah. that That's really the key right there is recognizing choice. Recognizing choice. Yep. It's beautiful. And you can invite people, right? Like it, it, it sometimes – there's this thing, if you see somebody who's got their Eeyore suit on, right, um, oftentimes they're trying to get somebody to care for them because they haven't yet figured out how to be responsible for their own well-being. So they're trying to get other people to be responsible for their well-being. And so, you know, and, and this happens happens a lot with little kids, right? You know, you just gave a, a beautiful illustration with your daughter and all of that. And and if if I want to acknowledge that, if I want to acknowledge that somebody's like, you know, in one of their little strategies that they're trying to get cared for, uh, to, for someone to caretake them, I might ask a question. I might mm-hmm. just simply say, "Is there a choice you're not making right now that you'd like to make?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there? Yeah. You know, just it's like it's like bringing them to the awareness that they have a choice. Because it's like, you know, yeah. when you were describing that just now, I was thinking of, I, I had this image in my head with Sherry doing the pee-pee dance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. It's like, there's, all <laughs> there's all this agitation in her world, and it's kind of like, hey, did you forget you have a choice? You know, it's almost <gasps> like just, just a simple question that sometimes can remind people, hey, if you're having an a, an uncomfortable experience right now, you have a choice. You have choice at your disposal in every moment. So it's kind of like reminding them, is there something going on here that you're not choosing, that you could be choosing? Do you want to make a different choice here? Yeah. Like just as a reminder, because it's not about swooping yeah. in and t- caretaking them. That's, that's the, the dynamic that um, is going to continue to require a person to, like that person is going to continue to require somebody else to be responsible for their well-being. And that's the pattern interrupt that is required. It's like, hey, by the way, you're in charge here. Not me, you. And it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. about making them wrong. It can simply just be a question that reminds them. Oh, by the way, is there a choice you could be making that you're not making right now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There's so many examples of this, you guys. I mean, just look around. Like, when do you feel you can't speak up? Because any time you're thinking that, that's actually just a choice you're making. You're choosing not to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really a question that I ask myself all the time. If if I'm in a place that I'm getting agitated and squirrely and doing the pee-pee dance or whatever, then that is a giant signal for me. Wait, is there something here that I'm not choosing? Is there something here I could be choosing (laughs) that I'm not choosing? Because that's the only time resentment shows up is when I'm not making a new choice. I'm subjecting myself yep. to a choice I made five minutes ago or five weeks ago or, you know, I'm, I, there's no reason you need to subject yourself to an old mm-hmm. choice. Right. you got choice yep. that you're you can supposed every moment. Make a new one. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that went really fast. Wow. That went really fast. All this that went really so fast. That went really fast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: I know. But well, and it's it's going to bleed into tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a great conversation oh, yeah. too because we're talking about requests with no guarantees. Dun dun dun. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I love this. These are juicy topics. This is really good stuff. I really love getting into the nitty-gritty of um the dynamics of relationship, the the patterns and and uh you know, there's so much liberation in what we're talking about. And that's what lights me up. That's what turns me on. That's what feeds my aliveness is liberating myself and inviting people who choose and desire liberation to liberate themselves too. So if you're enjoying this conversation with us, then you'll want to come back tomorrow because there will be more. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.